Welcome to B2B Writing Success, the podcast on building a thriving business as a business-to-business writer or copywriter. B2B Writing Success is brought to you by American Writers and Artists, Inc. Now here's your host, copywriting expert and business coach, Steve Slonwhite. Hello, fellow B2B writers and copywriters. I hope you had a great week with your business. This week, I want to talk to you about how to become a referral-worthy copywriter. And by that, I mean the kind of copywriter that clients not only want to refer and recommend to other potential clients for you, but the kind of copywriter where clients are actually eager to recommend you, eager to spread the word about you. They just think you're such a valuable resource for them and so so great to work with that they want to share the happy news with uh, as many people as possible. Wouldn't it be nice if all your clients did that? Well, in reality, not all your clients will do that no matter how happy you are. But there is a way to maximize the amount of referrals you get from your clients. And that is to work on becoming what I call a referral-worthy copywriter. The kind of copywriter that clients are eager to refer. Because I can tell you from experience, and perhaps you've had the same experience, is that there is nothing more valuable than getting a referral. If someone contacts you for a website copywriting project, and they begin the conversation by saying, Jane Smith from ABC Company suggested that I give you a call. She says you're a great copywriter, and she says that we should be talking to you about our website project. If a potential client starts the conversation like that, in other words, they got a referral, they were rec- you were recommended to them, what are your chances of getting that project at a good price? <laughs> well, your chances are really, really high. It's almost your project to lose. They're, they're probably not even talking to anybody else. That's why referrals are so valuable. In fact, when I started in this business back in the 1990s, I remember going to a workshop. And the workshop was actually by a, uh, a guy who taught uh, consultants. And I was kind of, you know, copywriters are kind of consultants. And I went to this uh, workshop, and the first thing he said was that if you're not getting half your new business from referrals, you're doing something wrong. There's something that needs to be fixed, okay? So, you know, you want to get referrals. Referrals are just so valuable, and it is a nice way to build your business. You won't get all your new business through referrals, but you should get uh, a lot of your new business through referrals, and the best source of referrals are your own current clients. So how do you become this referral-worthy copywriter? Okay, well, let me begin by giving you this example. What is, what is not a referral-worthy copywriter? I had the experience many years ago of working for a short period of time with a virtual assistant, someone who was doing some extra work for me and some key areas of my business. And uh, she was really good. I mean, she was excellent in so many ways. I did enjoy working with her. Uh, she was worth every, every penny she invoiced me. Uh, no complaints at all, except... She had this really bad habit of not returning calls or not setting meetings for uh, several days. I could email her, email her on a Monday, and I wouldn't get a call or email back until Wednesday at the earliest, maybe Thursday. She just took her time returning calls and returning emails. That always irked me, and even when I talked to her about it, 
It's just something that she did. She was really slow in that area. She may, may not even have realized the impact she was having. But what essentially happened is that I felt uncomfortable referring her, recommending her to other people because I was worried they would have a negative experience working with her because of this one trait that she had. And uh, they would complain to me. So I, I never recommended her to anybody else, even though she's really, really, really good at what she did. So you may have a trait like that too, that you just don't realize the impact of. You may think it's a minor thing, but to the client, it irks them so much that although they may say they enjoy working with you, and although they work with you repeatedly and give you repeat business, you're not getting referrals from that client because there's something that you're doing that just rubs them the wrong way. So you got to be careful there. You want to become a referral-worthy copywriter. You want to ha give the client such a great experience working with you that they will unhesitantly uh, recommend you to others when given the chance. So what are some of the traits of a referral-worthy copywriter? Well, one is that, uh, and this is a no-brainer, of course, that you're really good at what you do. You're a really good writer. You write effective uh, B2B marketing copy and content. You're able to uh, uh, write all the different types of projects that you're asked to write. You're, you're great at writing an email campaign and a white paper and a case study. You know, you're, you're good at what you do. You, whatever you offer that you do, whether you're a project specialist or an industry specialist or you write everything you're, or you only write some things, Whatever you offer, you're really good at what you do. That's a no-brainer. That's the foundation of becoming a referral-worthy copywriter it is obviously that you deliver the goods, that you're really good at what you do. But beyond that, there's a lot more that you need to do as well to be a referral-worthy copywriter to your clients. You may think that just being good at what you do is enough. Just delivering great copy and content is enough. And that's certainly a big deal. It's a big part of it, but it's not the whole story. Okay, so what are some of the other things that you need to do to be a referral-worthy copywriter? Well, let me give you some examples. Number one is don't be late for anything. Don't be tardy. Don't be late or barely on time for a live meeting. Uh, don't be one of these people that arrive late at a teleconference teleconference call with your client starts at 11 o'clock and you come in at 11.04 going, whoops, sorry, a little bit late. Let's get started. You know, don't be that person because it it irritates everyone and irritates your client. Um, so, and, you know, it just, it's inconvenient and everybody remembers it. Uh, everybody remembers the late person, <laughs> okay, the tardy person. So don't be late for anything. Don't be late for meetings. Don't be late for teleconferences. Don't be late for scheduled phone calls. Don't be late for anything. Be on time, for goodness sakes. That's number one. Number two, meet your deadlines and your other milestones. If you promise that you're going to deliver a outline for the white paper on Wednesday at by 10 o'clock, Make sure that that outline is delivered to your client Wednesday by whatever time it was. In fact, uh, Bob Bly, one of, the, one of the great copywriters, often recommends that not only do you set a deadline by day, but also by time. 
And he actually tells clients, he says, I don't, meet, I don't miss deadlines ever. So your copy will arrive by email Thursday by 10 o'clock. And if you don't receive it, call us because we sent it. We don't miss deadlines. So he's very firm with his clients about that. And, you know, that kind of attitude where, you know, where you're always meeting deadlines and other project milestones for the client is comforting for the client. They don't have to worry about that. And believe me, I talk to a lot of marketing directors, especially a lot of business owners, but especially the marketing directors. Uh, they hate it when a writer misses deadlines or at the last minute comes up with some lame excuse to miss a deadline. It's really inconvenient for them. It gets them into a lot of trouble. It causes a lot of stress. And frankly, a lot of writers and copywriters, according to the marketing directors I speak to, have a bad habit of missing deadlines. So you can actually stand out <laughs> in a positive way by being the copywriter who never misses deadlines and other project milestones. So be that writer. Okay, don't miss deadlines. That's number two. Number three, have the attitude of owning the project. If you are asked to write an email campaign for a client, for example, don't be the copywriter who needs a lot of direction. Don't be uh, asking your client, how long should the emails be? How many emails should we have in a sequence? Uh, what do you want to say? Uh, how do you want me to write this? Can you show me an example that I can follow? You're acting like an like a junior employee uh, that needs a lot of direction and, and guidance and needs training almost. You don't want to be that kind of copywriter. You are a professional. You are an expert at B2B copywriting and content writing. That's why the client hired you. They want you to take charge of that part of the project. So if you they want you to they don't want to hold your hand. So let's say you do get a, a project to write an email campaign. You should be having conversations with your client, advising them on how long the emails should be in, and getting their feedback and coming to an agreement. You should be recommending how many emails are in that sequence if they haven't uh, determined that already. And then you should be going off and writing the best draft of that project possible uh, and doing as much as possible with the attitude that you you own this project. You're in charge of this copywriter. You're going to deliver the best copy possible. And uh, you're going to make things easy for your client. So have the attitude of owning the project. That's really important. That's number three. To uh, n Number three in, in how to be a referral-worthy copywriter. Number four, don't be a pushback Pete or a pushback Patricia. <laughs> what I mean by that is... Um, you know, a lot of writers have a habit of, uh, you know, being midway through a project, asking the client a question, and then rather than keeping on with the project, they just stop work on the project and wait and, and, and uh, wait for the client to get back to them. And if the client doesn't get back to them, they feel okay for, with the deadline coming and going because the ball's in the client's court. I asked them a question. They never got back to me. Uh, this I had a client actually complain to me about this uh, the other day. He said that uh, he hired a copywriter to write a series of sell sheets. It's a short uh, one-page brochures for some products. And he was expecting the copy to be delivered on such and such a date. That date came and went. He followed up with uh, the, the writer. And the writer said, oh, 
A week ago, I asked you a question about a product feature and you never got back to me. You Are you kidding me? So you stopped working on the project because of that? <laughs> okay. No, don't. That, that's called pushing back. And clients hate it. I hate it when I'm working with people and they push back. Don't be a pushback Pete or pushback Patricia. Um, don't do that. If you... If you need some information to complete a project, let's say you're writing a sell sheet and there's a, a product feature you're not quite sure of, so you send the client a question and they don't get back to you right away, you still finish the sell sheet. You can leave that part blank. You can leave that paragraph or that, that text box or whatever the case may be on the sell sheet blank with a, with a note in there saying, uh, just waiting for some information on this product feature, but you finish the rest of the sell sheet and you deliver the copy on time, okay? Never stop work on a project because, uh, you know, you've asked a client a question or you're waiting for, for information from the client and they haven't got back to you right away. This goes back to, to uh, number three, where you want to own the project. It's your responsibility to get that project done no matter what. You own that project, okay? So don't be a, a pushback person, okay? That's number four. Number five, be friendly and helpful on the phone and on web meetings and on teleconference calls. Be friendly and helpful. It's just an attitude. It's a politeness. Um, clients really don't like it when anybody that they're dealing with is not particularly friendly, is not particularly helpful. You know, they may act as order takers. Uh, you know, you, you want to, people like to work with people that are friendly and helpful. Let's, you know, don't you want to work with people who are friendly and helpful? When you go into a store and some, uh, an employee comes up to you and they're friendly and helpful, don't you appreciate that? <laughs> okay. That's the way it is in any business and you run a business. So when you're dealing with clients, be friendly and helpful on the phone. You might want to think about how you're interacting with clients uh, during phone meetings and during teleconference meetings and live meetings. Are you being friendly and helpful? If not, you might want to kind of change your attitude and change your approach a, a little bit. This doesn't mean that you pretend that you're someone you're not, but we all have the capacity to be friendly and helpful, so be that person. That's number five. Number six, do what you'll say, do what you say you'll do when you say you'll do it. Do what you say you'll do when you say you'll do it. If you, in other words, keep your promises. If you tell the client that you're going to reply back this afternoon with some information, reply back this afternoon with some information. If you tell the client that you're going to uh, contact one of their in-house subject matter experts to, a, to a schedule an interview and you're going to email that person right away, email that person right away. Okay. Uh, can you imagine a scenario if you didn't do that and the client talked to that person and that person said, hey, that, that writer never got back to me. I never received an email from, from him. Uh, you know, if you say you'll do something, do it, okay? Uh, it really sends a bad mes message when you say you'll do something and you don't do it, okay? So simply keep your promises. Say, you know, do what you say you'll do when you say you'll do it. And the final one, number seven, is return calls and emails promptly, as soon as possible. When a client emails me, you know, I, I, I consider that almost like a 911 call. I'll, 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 uh, I'll, I'll scramble to return that call or email right away, especially if it's a prospect or if it's a client. 
because you know if a client has emailed me or or called me there's a reason for that they they need to talk to me they're hoping to talk to me at that moment so and clients are valuable i mean uh, clients pay for everything right clients pay for my house they pay for my groceries they're they're clients they're uh they're they're my my revenue source so i treat them like gold and uh you know, when they call or email, I'll do whatever I can to get back to them right away. If I'm at my desk, I'll, I'll get back to them right away. I'll phone or reply back. Or if I'm out doing other things, the first opportunity I have to get back to them, I will get back to them. In fact, sometimes if I'm out at a meeting or someplace else, I'll, and I'll, just, pick, I'll just use my iPhone and say, I, I'm out at the moment. I'm going to get back at the office at 2 o'clock, and, I'll, and I'm going to return your email or return your call then or answer this question at that time. Is that okay with you? If not, I can call you right now from where I'm at. I mean, I just, I just make sure that that they get the attention that they deserve because they're clients and they 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 deserve that. Okay, and plus, just going back to my earlier story, I had a bad experience working with someone who didn't do that, who uh, days went by without returning my call or email, and it always bothered me. So I, I uh, made it a point to never treat clients that way. So those are the uh, seven seven things you can do to become a more w- referral-worthy uh, copywriter. Uh, and beyond the obvious of doing great work. And number one is don't be late for anything. Number two, meet deadlines and other project milestones. Number three, own the project. Take responsibility for the project. Don't have the client need to hold your hand. Number four, don't be a pushback Pete or pushback Patricia. Number five, be friendly and helpful uh, on the phone and during during meetings. Number six, do what you'll say you'll do when you say you'll do it. And number seven, return calls and emails promptly. And these are fairly easy things to do when you think of it. They're not difficult to do. But if you're writing good copy and you do those seven things for clients, what happens is clients are going to have a terrific experience of working with you every time they work with you. They're going to they're going to, you know, thank their lucky stars that they have, have, have found this great copywriter or content writer they can work with and provides this exceptional service. And when they get an opportunity to recommend you to others, the likelihood is they will. So that's this week's B2B Running Success Podcast. Hope you found it helpful. And by the way, you can uh, access previous episodes of this podcast on iTunes, just do a search for B2B Writing Success, or go directly to the website at b2bwritingsuccess.com. You'll find all the past episodes there you can listen to. There's a summary of each episode, and there's uh, plenty of other resources that'll help you with your B2B writing or copywriting business at b2bwritingsuccess.com. So until next week, I'm Steve Slomwhite. Have a great week with your B2B writing or copywriting business. We hope you enjoyed this edition of B2B Writing Success with Steve Slomwhite. For more tips on building a thriving B2B writing business, visit www.b2bwritingsuccess.com.